What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I am Paul Hammond, nutrition specialist. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. that. That was a pretty good one. I don't know. I feel like they're it's, starting to they're starting to kind of I have up a it, little there's bit. an ebb and a flow. They can't all be bangers, but yeah. you know, like you know, some matches. Some matches are three stars. That was a three star. I'll get you a five star as best as I can, as uh, soon as I can. Hopefully, in the next episode or so. But we're excited to present another episode today. We have reached ten episodes, guys. I can't I can't believe we reached ten. I don't know about you, but I can't I'm, believe we reached one for real. <laughs> <laughs> but in honor. Of our 10th episode, we thought that we'd start a, kind of a recurring segment, I think, that mm-hmm. we can do very, most often. With it being our 10th episode, we thought we'd do a top 10. Oh my gosh, it's so on the nose. I know, right? <laughs> so, we went through a bunch of different ideas and thought, well, what should we do a top 10 about? And we've well, got we're... like a whole list of ones that we're going to try and go through at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe top 10 heels or top 10 10 rivalries top 10 tag teams top 10 entrances exactly there's a whole list we can go through and we'll go through them all at some point but we decided to land on top 10 debuts because we're debuting the top 10 exactly this episode exactly we thought it'd be befitting that since we're debuting a new segment we do top 10 debuts there's nothing better than creating creative that lacks all creativity exactly all right (laughs) but we both have our lists, and I think we were going to start with 10 and then go you to You know what one. you just did? What did I do? You just made the list! Oh, no! And I made a list, too! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go through our list here. We're going to start with 10 and then work our way up, and we may have some that are like uh, on the same lines of each other. Or I mean, I mean, we have not gone through these together. Yeah, we haven't so, shared these. You know, 100% authentic, raw, real reactions in here. Uh, I, I'll be very interested to see if we have any... Overlap are the same because we might have the same debut, but it may not right. be in the same number. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like I said, you're from the more the ruthless aggression area. I'm from the attitude and the new era era. So there's probably going to be some older stuff that I value higher. Right. And there's probably going to be some new newer stuff that you value higher. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much inner you know inter- overlapping or interlocking that we actually have. Right. So I though although I have a feeling that we might have the same top like number one i feel like number one and number two are gonna be a toss-up right uh but I, I definitely feel like we'll probably landing the same area whether we land in the exact same area there's one debut that i think really does just kind of stand out above all the rest so right it won't surprise me but we'll we'll see if we get there. yeah but that said, let's see how it goes so do you want to start it off or do you want me to start it off uh age before beauty so i'll go first exactly uh, I'll let you have that one for now. <laughs> so uh, coming up, uh, number ten, the uh, debut of Kurt Angle in TNA. That okay. was that's my that's my number ten. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't think that Kurt's debut in WWF was all that. Like, it was a great build. Like, he comes in. And you know, then he's like he's undefeated, and he's got, you know Kurt really. I mean, he takes he takes to professional wrestling, you know, like a fish in the water. Right. Um, but what's funny is when Kurt comes into the WWF, he is not welcome. He th- does not have a hero's welcome. He right. Is, exactly. He is booed. Right. Like he is not welcomed. But when he arrived in TNA, and you know, for those who weren't really, this was right before the internet wrestling community really made it impossible to surprise people with things. Right. So I actually kind of, the only reason I really can give this one is because it's one of the last 
surprise debuts of in professional wrestling before internet wrestling really just you know the internet sites just really kind of ruined it. But yeah, when Kurt Angle debuted in TNA, it was I mean huge, probably I mean the big one of the biggest ovations that a TNA debut ever got. And then when you look at the longevity of, of Angle in TNA, I mean. He spent before he came back for a Hall of Fame and everything. He spent just as much time in TNA as he did in the WWF, and I mean he was a key player from day one. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving the Kurt Angle debut TNA. That's number ten on my list. Alrighty, interesting one. Uh, my number ten for me, I started it out with Brock Lesnar's debut in WWF. So I think so. You have this destructive force coming in, and he's pretty much just laying waste to all these guys. Like Spike Dudley, and I believe oh, yeah. Funaki was another one as well. Was his first fight? Uh, was it Maven? Was it? Was that the? Was that the first opponent that he ever I, had? I I want to say yes, but yeah. I could be completely wrong. But yeah, I mean, but he I mean he had a rocket strap, you know, attached to him from day one. Exactly, and with Paul Heyman at his side, I mean, there, the sky. I, don't, I wouldn't even say the sky was a limit. There was no limits for what he was going to be able to do after that. Like he, well, I don't think we all was predicted. the next big thing. Literally. Everything that he's done, I mean, his career has been by no means what you would call like a scripted. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There was but, nothing scripted because, and we've heard it from stories from Paul Heyman before, the advice that people were giving him from creative was just absolute garbage. Like They were saying, like, you should let people bounce off of you. Like, you should just stand there and not move. And finally, I think it was Taz that, like, mo- motioned him over to Paul Heyman. To where he was saying to Paul, like, these guys are giving him bad advice. Like, can you work with him? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he becomes probably one of the most dominant wrestlers or individuals yep. to come through WWE. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, no, great great mm-hmm. debut. Great great choice. Now, I, I want to go ahead and just say this. So, so we, you know, we've already started this. Guys, we would love for you to interact with us on social media. Yes, uh, please. Five Star Jobbers on Facebook. Five Star Jobbers on Instagram. Give us, please, give us your top ten. And if we get enough people to compete, then maybe we can uh, go over one of their top tens on, on the episode. Yes. Or even have somebody you know who interacts on the social media you know, have them call in, have them be part of an episode later on. We'd love to do something interactive. Yeah. We really want to drive the social media interaction. So uh, we want to hear from you guys because you guys help push this. You guys help make this podcast what it is. And so we want fan interaction. We want you guys to interact with us. Look us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Check us out and send us your top 10. Yep. All right. So my number nine, I've got Sting debuting at the WWE Survivor Series. Ooh, so the okay. long-awaited debut of Sting in WWE, WWF, you know, many, many, many years coming. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is a debut. I'm not talking. We're not talking about the length of stay, uh, the career, because obviously Sting in WWF lasted for less than a year. Right. But uh, the debut was phenomenal. Uh, you know, you had you had uh, Triple H and Rollins in the ring. Uh, and what is it? The what were they calling themselves? The authority, the authority. right? And uh, then you have you have Sting debut come out, huge pop. I mean, long long time you know lifetime wrestling fans like myself have been wanting to see Sting in the WWF, WWE. You know, as long as they can remember. Right. I mean, when when the brand when WCW died and Vince bought everything, of course. Nobody came immediately 
Uh, we, we got the B and C list players at first. Right. And then eventually we got Nash and Hall and uh, Flair and Hogan and all those coming, but we never got Sting. Right. And then finally Sting comes. So, yeah, that, I mean, it, it, it unfortunate that there wasn't more that was done due to injuries and things like that, but that debut was fantastic. And, um, Probably one of the bigger pops uh, around that time. I mean, other than Daniel Bryan winning the world championship around that particular yeah. time, that's probably one of the bigger pops of the uh, mid-2010s. I don't know why. I completely forgot about that one. But, yeah, that was definitely a good one. Uh, my number nine, I said Rey Mysterio's debut in WWE. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever he comes out, the pop that he gets oh yeah, and in his debut match, I think it was with Chavo Guerrero. Or it may have been someone else. I, I can't remember exactly. But the... Pop that he got whenever he pops from the floor yeah. of the ring and the pyro and everything. Like Rey Mysterio is one of the like most well known and probably I will say one of the greatest luchadors that has graced WWE or been in the WWE. Oh yeah. Like and his career is nothing short of amazing. Like from all of his matches that he's had to winning the world championship, being a tag team champion. Like he, like his career has been nothing short of amazing, and so oh, yeah. this his debut coming from WCW. After that, oh, he's well, number he's, he's number he's number one on the Luchador Mount Rushmore. Absolutely, I, mean, I, I, I think that just about anybody who's in who's in the know of, of you know AAA of any kind of Lucha Libre promotions, right, is going to say that Rey Mysterio is. Maybe 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 some people might call him you know number two, but probably most everybody's calling him number one. I right. Don't, I don't know anybody who I'm going to say is number one over Rey Mysterio. He's right. got the he's greatest longevity, most achieved, and it, and it's hard to say because a lot of times whenever you think of like someone that could surpass him, then you like but then what about this guy or then what about this? Well, I mean, you might have people that might be doing more stuff than he ever did. Like you know, you look at Ray Phoenix. Right, uh, you know who's like the the second coming of of Rey Mysterio, but it's like Rey Mysterio's still doing it. Oh yeah, and, and he still and, can. And for for his style of wrestling to still be doing it at the level that he's doing it, I mean, there's a lot of people that are Rey's age that can barely walk. Right. Um, so I mean, it's just there's there's no getting around it. Rey Mysterio is one of the greatest of all time. You know, not even talking about luchadors, just in general. But agree. In, in the terms of luchador, as you were saying, he's number one with a bullet. I agree. Uh, then, now we're getting to number eights. Uh, John, who have you got for your number eight? So number eight. All right. So it's a, a little bit of a cheat here, but okay. Uh, the debut of Cactus Jack in the WWF. So okay. we had well, Mc, I'll we, give that we had you. mankind. And anybody who's familiar with the Three Faces of Foley interview, you, you know they everybody knows about Cactus Jack from WCW and from Japan. Right. And, you know the King of the Death Match. Uh, you know the hardcore legend already. Exactly. Uh, so you've got Cactus Jack in WCW. They bring Mick Foley over. They put a mask on him. They call him Mankind. He gets it over, even though in all actuality it was a terrible gimmick. Right. But he gets it over. <laughs> better than anybody could imagine and then they have this interview where he goes from being this demented tormented heel to a baby face right uh and we find out about do love we all people already knew about cactus jack so but they go from mankind in the three faces of foley and then the next character that they debut from for mick foley is dude love well then cactus jack gets his due and 
we've had this conversation and then our conversation, I don't know that we've done them. We haven't done the Mount. Have we done the Mount Rushmore on, on any of these episodes yet? No, we haven't, but we actually haven't, but I'll go ahead and out one of my Mount Rushmore's, uh, triple H. The, the reaction that triple H gives is one of the reasons that I call him one of the greatest heels of all time. And one of the best professional wrestlers of getting another wrestler over. The reaction that Triple H gives to Cactus Jack oh, it makes it even in more, that promo it makes it even more amazing. If you don't even know who Cactus Jack was, you were hyped because Triple H is wetting his his huggies in the middle of the <laughs> ring to Cactus Jack, and this the crowd ovation, the music. Oh yeah! I mean, like they lost their mind. I mean, I, I I lost my mind. Like I barely knew. Like I didn't really even know who Cactus Jack was. Like I knew of the character of Cactus Jack at this time. Right. I'm, you know, ten ten years old, and I'm popping for him. I don't even know why. So I've I, I've got to give it to that. I mean, honestly, the my favorite mankind, Mick Coley character is Cactus Jack, and it's because of the way that he was debuted. And brought to us is like, how could you not be excited anytime Mick Foley became Cactus Jack? Right. So there's there's my number eight. So my number eight, I'm kind of taking a turn here and going to the women's side of things. So my oh. number eight is Ronda Rousey at mm. the Royal Rumble. That was a good one. Now the pop that she received, because I think I believe Oscar had just won the women's Royal Rumble, and then you had this moment where Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss are in the ring, both holding the titles, and then all of a sudden you hear. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts yep. hit on the. We were uh, waiting Titan for Trump. it all night. Yeah, everybody to the was point talking where about we thought it. it wasn't going to happen. Exactly, but then lo and behold, you hear bad reputation, hit the music, mm-hmm. lights, and everything. You see Ronda Rousey on the Titantron. Yep. Everybody completely lost it, like because we all thought like it was just rumors. Like nothing was going to come of it. There's no way that Ronda Rousey is going to come. No, to WWE did a great job, like we talked about with the you know with the Internet Wrestling Council. Um, it's hard to surprise people, and yeah. the rumors were already there, so the expectation was there. So they couldn't necessarily surprise us, but they could subvert our expectations. Oh yeah. And I'd all but given up on Ronda debuting at at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and then. And then sure last enough. last second there she is exactly and it went you know it, it was gangbusters I mean that was oh, the biggest yeah. pop she's ever gotten in WWE yeah that's for sure but yeah that's my number eight that's a great number eight yeah. uh, your number eight makes me feel bad about my number seven but my number seven um, number seven is Kevin Owens debuting in the WWE beating John Cena okay I, I'll give that one that's a pretty good one I mean as far as as far as a debut to basically say we believe in this wrestler, right. so you should too. Yeah, you, at that time there was no there's no better person to beat than John Cena. Right, and all credit in the world for Cena for always being willing to work to put somebody over. Uh, yeah, Kevin Owens. I mean, I I follow. See, this is one of those you know it was like where I, I I drifted like when you were really getting into pressure wrestling. I was actually drifting away from WWE's product. Gotcha. It was becoming stale. All my favorite wrestlers were were leaving or had already gone. Right. Um, I wasn't a Cena guy, and so that's when I started getting into Ring of Honor, uh, TNA. Yeah. Uh, you know, those were kind of the two big ones until I you know started even watching some Japanese, and then when in the twenty tens and stuff like that, when Evolve and stuff like that started coming in. Right. Um, it's crazy with Evolve. If you go back and look at Evolve. 
evolve five evolve like eight years ago is literally a who's who of who's like at the top of right professional wrestling. Like anybody right now. that's been that's in professional wrestling that is like one of the top guys has been through evolve yeah in some way shape form yeah so it, it, I mean Darby Allen uh, Ethan Page Keith Lee Austin Theory like they've all been through it. All of them. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. But no, so Ring of Honor, before Evolve, there was Ring of Honor. Uh, Sapolsky, Gabe Sapolsky, who was yep. one of the bookers for Evolve, who actually came from Ring of Honor. Right. Um, and, you know, that's where, you know, CM Punk comes from Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, Samoa Joe was coming from those early days of Ring of Honor. And Kevin Steen came from the early days of Ring of Honor. Right. So for Kevin Steen to go, and he never seemed... Like a WWE guy. No, he like CM Punk arriving shocked me. Like I was, I was, I was genuinely like surprised. But Punk was just so over. It was like okay, they're never going to use him correctly. But they couldn't ignore how over he is in the industry. Right. But like with with Kevin Steen's body type, his work style, I was like, no, he'll end up in TNA. Right. He'll end up, you know, in Japan. He'll never end up in WWE. Right. So when he debuted in WWE and beat John Cena, that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I, I used to think that I had WWE pegged and could guarantee yeah. what's going to happen. And that was one of those moments where I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to WWE again. Because if they're willing to do this stuff, then... Like it gives you like a, then, like a you know, maybe I, you know, I don't know it all. Right. And it, I can still just be a fan. Yeah. So that was a big that was a big debut for me. Maybe not for everybody else, but try to paint the picture there. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So my number seven was Shinsuke Nakamura Ooh. debuting on Friday Night SmackDown. Okay. Now he had already had a huge following in NXT. Like he was one of the most over guys. And all I was about to say, I, like, honestly, I would like I don't know which was bigger, his debut on SmackDown or his debut on NXT. Right. But the SmackDown or was even great. his uh, debut in uh, Noah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean. He is a world-renowned, amazing professional wrestler of strong style. Like everybody that is a fan of professional wrestling has heard of or knows of Shinsuke Nakamura, and so when he had the huge following through NXT, everybody was just sitting on edge, waiting for that moment when Nakamura got his opportunity. And honestly, his move to Friday Night SmackDown was probably the best thing for him during that time because if he had gone to Raw, there would have been no chance for him. To Agreed. be what he was, like his matches with AJ Styles were oh. everything that you could have yeah, asked absolutely. for in a strong style match. Like mm -hmm. it was fantastic. But yeah, his debut on Friday Night SmackDown, having uh, I always forget the guy's name who plays the violin entrance for him, but having that violin playing in the beginning, everybody's just already like, I know what to expect. I'm waiting for it yeah. to come, and then everybody sings his entrance theme. And the crowd goes absolutely nuts. So. I always associate uh, Nita Strauss with his entrance. Right. I, I think maybe she might have done it for one or two pay-per-views. Right. But yeah, I, I, I forget who the actual violin player is that you know because that's what it really is is violin. But right. The, for a couple of his entrances, he had Nita Strauss playing the electric guitar, just yeah. shutting it up. So yeah. <clears throat> no, that's a great one. <clears throat> Excuse getting to, moi. Get, getting to number six now. <clears throat> Part of me, I have the black lung. Uh, <laughs> Got the black lung, Paul. Pa. Good Lord, Derek, you were only in there for an hour. <laughs> so uh, number that's one, six. That's one thing you'll notice about us. I'm sorry to cut you off. Like we we quote just random goofy movies all the time. 
Uh, Almost every single time. It's concerning. And our wives love it. Oh, yes. They think it's the best. They can't get enough of it. They love it. Absolutely love it. My wife said that she would leave me if I ever stopped quoting movies. Same. Maybe it was was some other way around. Maybe it was like she would leave me if I kept quoting. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll ask. (laughs) Uh, So, number six. The Day That Hell Froze Over. Oh, God. And Eric Bischoff. Joined WWE. Ooh, okay. I forgot about that one too. That oh, was, see, that was I, a good I, one. I don't forget about that one because I I remember watching that episode. I remember just legitimately being slack jawed. Right. Like not a pop, a genuine surprise. Yeah. You know, Ric Flair coming to WWF, no surprise. Yeah. You know, Hulk Hogan coming back, not a surprise. The outsiders in the NWO. I mean, the the way that Vince does it, it's it's all oh, it's kind of a cheesy, crappy redebut. But honestly, I, I I took it as it was. Right. But I don't think there was ever a debut that's had me. I mean, unless CM Punk comes back one day to WWE, there will never be a debut in WWE that really has me going, "Wow, they really did that." Yeah. Uh, Eric Bischoff debuting and, and working for the company that he tried to put out of business. I never thought I would see the day. I thought Eric Bischoff would be dead and buried uh, with the death of WCW. And he came back and he had a great on-screen uh, career with yeah. WWE for a few years. But I, I will never forget sitting there and, you know, when Vince McMahon <laughs> said Eric Bischoff, once again it's one of those moments when you're like man Vince McMahon really doesn't care about anything as long as it'll make money exactly and Paul Heyman has said it on numerous occasions because I remember the whole make me money yeah Yeah. he's like I don't care draw me money draw me money the whole because sorry to go Uh, one of the best promos of all time oh yeah the best one was like whenever the alliance was the big uh, segment going on in WWF at the time oh his promo or his shoot promo oh and imagine being a kid like me Cody watching ECW and then watching those guys from ECW end up on WCW yeah. or WWF and watching the ECW style be integrated into the bigger shows and then ECW dies and these guys are going there and like you've got the Dudleys and you've got like you know uh, Mike Awesome over on WCW and Lance Storm on WCW and Raven on WCW and I felt as a fan everything Paul Heyman said that night like you, you can go yeah. back and, and watch it. Oh yeah! But like, like it was all coming, like all the stuff that he wanted to say. I mean, yeah, because I mean, not only like not only is it from him and from from what he was trying to create, but from being a fan and, and watching something that you really loved and were really passionate about die. Yeah. And you'd get the wrestlers, but you'd get a watered down version. Right. And for Paul Heyman to come out. And, and to have a shoot promo on WWF programming, I mean, I say, not only was it just great TV, but it was it was very vindicating for a lot. I'd say for a lot of us ECW fans, yeah, because this is before One Night Stand. This is before you get like a one last show with ECW because we didn't get one last show. Right, you had to petered out ECW, and it's like it just and that was it, and it was over. Yeah. Uh, so like that was probably the one of the most vindicating moments. So that was a, that was a huge moment. Like, great great thing to to bring up as far as that promo. It's yeah. one of the best to me. It's one of the best shoot promos in the history of oh, the yeah, business. Easily. I mean, it's I would put it only second to the pipe bomb. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. 
Uh, it was number six, right? Uh, I just gave, yeah, number okay, six so, Bischoff. So my number six was the Royal Rumble debut for AJ Styles. It was rumored that the hottest free agent in professional wrestling was signing with WWE. And there was a lot of speculation of who it was at the time. So I gave this one number six because the pop that everybody got, because if you looked at the Titan Tron during his entrance, uh-huh. it was just a blue cloud. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you see the words, I am phenomenal. And every single true every- wrestling fan lost their mind, I was including sitting, myself. I was sitting in a Lazy Boy in my man cave in, two, was it 2015 or 2016? Was it 2015? No, 2016. No, it was 2016. 2016. I was sitting in a Lazy Boy in my man cave marking out like a like a 12-year-old. Yes. And my kids were like, Dad, are you okay? <laughs> now, Mark, the grand, grand, this was almost 10 years ago, so my kids at this time were like real little. Right. And they were like legitimately... <laughs> Like, they were okay? legitimately concerned. I was like, "This is awesome!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's like one of those moments with you. Like my jaw literally dropped to the ground. I mean, I was. I say, was like, I cannot believe this is actually happening. Yeah, as I said, I I, I stopped watching the WWE product for a couple of years and was purely watching TNA and R- and Ring of Honor. So AJ Styles was my guy. Right. I mean, like you know. Sh- like I, I watched. I if I watched WWE, it had it was because of Sean and, and Hunter. Right. And but then everything else was AJ and CM Punk and Samoa Joe and yeah. Kurt Angle. And, and, had it not been for me watching TNA, like in the early, I think it was early two thousands, whenever I got into it. Yeah. Well, so AJ Styles was still one of those top well, guys. The build up to his the build up to his debut is, I mean, so you've got the absolute fallout and the wreckage of TNA and the TNA becomes impact wrestling. And you know, when it gets so bad that they actually even bring Dixie Carter in and you know, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley or bully Ray right. power bombs her through a table to great ovation because the fans hate the Carter family so much at this point because of how much they have ruined this. We, I, as a fan wanted to leave the WWE. I wanted to leave and cleave and not go back. Right. And TNA at the point at the time gave me a good product, and then it became more and more watered down, and it became more and more like the rise and fall of WCW. And I was like, did you guys not watch that DVD? Right. Did you not take t- take take tips exactly of, of what not to do? And but this is you know, what works. And and for and AJ Styles was like one of the last bastions of the original TNA roster, and for him to leave TNA. Was like this is the death nail. Yeah, this is the like like your guy like your sting just left. Yep, agreed. Um, and he went to New Japan, and then the run he had in New Japan with the Bullet Club. Uh, like I said, I I was kind of in a little bit with New Japan, um, but when AJ went over there, I got way more into it. That's where I actually discovered and learned about Finn Balor. Uh, and the Bullet Club and everything like that. Right. Um, that's where I learned really about Kenny and the Buck. I mean, the Bucks were Generation Me and TNA, and and then they were the Bucks in Ring of Honor. Right. But like the Bucks were all have always been bigger in Japan than they are in the United States. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like you see that that whole storyline of him going to Japan, running the Bullet Club, and then it's like, and you wonder like I'm sitting there, I'm marking out, I'm like. 
do these fans know who AJ Styles really is? And I'm watching From the, the ovation? Crowd. They yeah, absolutely they knew who 100%. AJ Styles was. Every single person in that arena knew who AJ Styles was. Yep. Now, we start to get into our top five. We're so. in the top five. We're in the end game now, my, my friend. That's right. All right. So, yeah, they, we're, we're, we're talking big stuff. So, my number five is, I guess it's multiple debuts, but it's the debut... Of the Outsiders. Okay. So starting with Scott Hall walking through the crowd, into the ring, picking up the microphone. With, uh, you know, definition of cool, man, back then. I wanted to be as cool as, I wanted to be as cool as Scott Hall. When I, when I was an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid watching this in 96, I, I desperately wanted to be as cool as, as Scott Hall. Just walk around the halls of school with a toothpick Ayo. in your mouth and just walk into the teacher and be going, hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> but yeah, yous know who I am, but you don't know why I'm oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, legitimately, like, it's one thing to watch documentaries and stuff, and to see and have people talk about like what people were thinking at the time and how it like 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 the WWF is the WWF invading WCW? Yeah, but like to be a kid, to, like especially at that age, kid. Where you're dumb, naive, and you'll believe anything. This is before the internet ruins everything. Yeah. As far as secrets, I legitimately was like, is WWF invading the WCW? Like, Razor Ramon is on WCW. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, like, like legitimately, like, the TV would turn off on Monday night. I'm like, what am I going to do for the next six days? Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to live not knowing what happens next? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, a couple, like a couple weeks later, we get we get Kevin Nash, Big Sexy, yeah, um, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Um, it, I mean that the beginning of the NWO before the NWO was even had the name the NWO before they even called them the Outsiders. But those debuts, man, they were. They said that was the big that was the beginning of the biggest angle in professional wrestling history, right? Um, and, and if you got to watch it in live time, it was really cool, but man, was it nerve wracking. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause it was, it, you know, you don't have TV like you have nowadays where it's, you know, oh, I can just watch that later and da 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 If you didn't watch it and you didn't have a recorder at home, you, you, you missed it. Yeah, you missed a lot. So like, I mean, like I was like, I can't hang out guys. I can't do this. I've got to watch Nitro. Yeah. Now my top five, I've contemplated the order of these because... I didn't want my bias to show in this. So my number five, <laughs> I put The Undertaker at Survivor Series. I really didn't think that was that great of a debut. Let's see, like just seeing this six foot seven, oh, I mean, it was six ominous. Foot eight, yeah, it was you ominous. See this ominous character emerge from Death Valley. Yeah. And he becomes like this mysterious character that you just can't help but oh, be yeah. captivated by. No, I mean, if you look at the longevity of his character and everything, and that is the beginning, it's the beginning of something just fantastic. But if you isolate it, to me personally, I think the better debut for Mark Calloway was the debut of the American Badass. Yeah. When they met, I, went, and I, sorry, that, that's, the, that's yeah. what he was called. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't... So, sorry for all the young listeners listening. I mean, that's what his character was called. So but we, we apologize. Yeah. I, it won't happen again. <laughs> But the debut of that character, because we hadn't seen the Undertaker for a while, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of throwing this here. Right. It, I think I think the debut of the Undertaker is fantastic. But the, when he came out to, uh, I want to, 
was Limp was it? Limp, I think it was Limp Biscuit first, but it was it was yeah. Limp Biscuit and then he then came Kid out Rock. to Kid Rock. But yeah, when he came out to Limp Biscuit's Rolling and cleared the the arena, I mean to me that was like a yeah whoa. Yeah, but I'll, but yeah, that, no, yeah. I mean like okay, old school. I mean the original Undertaker. See, I, I that, that one's a little bit before my time, right. so I didn't experience it in real time. Right. But yeah, the you know the original Undertaker with the tie and with Brother Love. Yes. I mean, as, gosh, as, I mean Bruce Pritchard. I mean. That whole, <laughs> I idea. love you. Oh my gosh! Like, probably, I won't say one of the worst managers. Oh no, one of the best managers I, because he want like you could not help but hate him. Yeah, I love to... you. Well, I hate you. Yeah, we hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Jim, like talk about man- managers that get under your skin. Brother Love and Jimmy Hart are like the two like two oh, number yeah. one managers that easily like I just like every time they came on I was like I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> There's another one like we can talk about the best managers of all time. Yeah, top ten, man- top ten managers, you know, uh, valets and you know all yeah, of the above. Exactly, Sonny, <laughs> Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, she's a good one. Oh yeah. All right, so that was that was that was so, number five. That was that's a strong number five. That's great. Now here here I'm gonna go go quick here. Uh, number four was AJ Styles in the Royal Rumble for me. Okay, all so, right. I, you know, yeah. I, I already gave my commentary on that. I'm not going to repeat, so go okay. ahead with your number four. Okay, so my number four was Taz. Ooh, great one. Now, I can't remember exactly fully, because I had to go back and watch a little bit of it, but the ovation that he got oh, whenever he so came big. out he against Kurt so Angle, over. holy cow, people went absolutely nuts, because they hear the heartbeat on his song, and they're like, <gasps> yes! Yep. And you see him walk out. Black towel he over his face. Towel on his head. He, oh man! Like Taz, in my opinion, is probably one of the best technical wrestlers. Oh, well, without a to doubt, to ever come from ECW or to be like or to be one of those guys that is not very big in stature, but can ground and pound with the best of them. Dude, I'm telling you right here and now, Brock Lesnar wouldn't have half his moveset if it wasn't for Taz. Exactly. Like Taz is, in my opinion, one of the best like, technical wrestlers. Oh yeah, no, of one all of the best time. technical wrestlers of all time. Um, I mean, it didn't. His stature didn't matter. He was, you know, he was one of those guys that he could walk down to the ring and say he did, it didn't matter that he was, you know, six, five, four, six inches shorter than somebody. Right. The look in his eyes, like you knew that the second that he looked you in the eye, Taz he was, is going to kill you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Taz is going to kill you. Yep. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, and, and just saying it, uh, you were talking about earlier, like Brock Lesnar and kind of getting smartened up to the business by guys like Taz. Brock Lesnar spent a lot of time in the in the car with with Taz and Paul Heyman. Oh yeah, learning the business uh, and uh, the and human podcast to... machine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I wish he was still doing it, but I'm so glad to have him back on yeah. uh, on AEW and be able to get his. He pops me about one, one, once every once a month. He'll say something on a, on a dynamite. Yeah, and I'm like, did, did he really just? Say that, yeah, pretty around. much. He, I love Taz. I, yeah, I mean, he's one of the one of the most tragic one of the most tragic careers cut short by injuries. Yeah, I mean, like Stone, Stone Cold and Taz. Like you know, you talk about guys who, if they, you know, if if not for a, a pile driver taking, you know, you know, pile driver mm-hmm. issue. Oh yeah, Taz could have gone on to do so much more. Oh, but yeah. it's great that he's instilling it in the new talent now, especially with his son Hook. Oh yeah, yeah. I no, mean, Hook. It's is fantastic. Be... Like watching Hook is just kind of, its almost like a blast from the past. It is essentially. Now it, he's still got a lot of it's, work. He's as doing far as his, his own new count, stuff, but, but yeah. But yeah, he's got a long—he's got a little ways to go, but he's already a sensation in AEW. Yeah, great, great, great pick. 
All right, number three. Top three right. now. Yeah, we're whew. number three. CM Punk and AEW. Okay. Yep. I, I'll give you that one. That was a, that was a big pop. Because I mean, that was, I mean that was a was, pop seven years in the making. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that that was that <clears throat> pop was as big as and if you I don't know if you were, I don't think you were watching at the time, but I'm sure you've watched this match. The night that Mick Foley won the WWF title for the first time, the yes. old uh, that'll put butts in seats where everybody stopped watching Nitro and started watching Raw. Yep. Okay, so that match and the way that a classic Pat Patterson layered, well produced finish. Yeah. Um, you've got DX there helping out mankind to offset the corporation, and you get to a point where you've got The Rock and Mick Foley. And they're at a standstill, and the corporation and DX are at a standstill. Everything's been negated out, and then the glass breaks. Yes, and that is without a doubt the biggest pop I have ever seen in my entire professional wrestling life. Oh yeah, and this was just as big. I mean, everyone knew it was happening. Everybody like this was not a secret. Yeah, CM Punk, but the fact that the minute that cult of personality hit because I don't know that anybody expected that that Tony was going to buy the rights to cult of personality I had held out hope that he would I mean I thought that he would try but I thought that that either WWF would hold that hostage just out of spite right but the minute the cult of personality hits (laughs) and the crowd's reaction I mean grown men in the the arena crying oh yeah and then he, he comes out and, and God bless Tony Khan for this. I know I've criticized him on the show before, and I will continue to criticize it if he screws up. But this was not a screw up. This was wonderfully done. This is one of the smartest decisions. No commercial he ever made. break for 20 minutes. You can't. CM, you CM can. Punk comes out, and he gets 20 minutes to just talk and to talk to us. And that's what he should have done. Like you, you can't give CM Punk a commercial break to talk in between. Yeah. Like you have to let him have his entrance, have his moment where he talks to the crowd because. It's been seven years since seven, we saw yeah. him in a professional wrestling set. And a lot happened in that seven years. Yeah. And for seven years, the crowd, you know, the crowd, you know, it's like the ECW chants have gone away. You know, I, I remember for the longest time after ECW went away, anytime anybody did anything hardcore, whether it was in TNA, Ring of Honor, WWE, anywhere, it was ECW, ECW. Exactly. But after CM Punk, well, it's like the, the, the ECW chants went away. And they were replaced, not not because of something awesome, but when the crowd got pissed off with bad booking. Yeah. And, and got bored. It was bored, always CM It was Punk. CM Punk. CM Punk. And I mean, I can't tell me how many times Triple H or Stephanie stood in the middle of a ring and couldn't speak for you know a couple of years without CM Punk drowning them out. Exactly. And, you know, finally, you know. After seven long years, it finally happened. Yep. And, yeah, that's uh, a good one. You know, they had to say, negate anything that's happened with AEW and CM Punk since then. That was the biggest night they've had. That's the biggest uh, ratings they've had in their entire, you know, the, what, three and a half years now yeah. that they've been on, on air. Uh, and with everything that's gone on, they're still going to be bringing CM Punk back. Right. And they just announced, you know, they announced him last week for Collision. They finally. I can't wait. Cannot to see wait. It. Can't can't wait. And you know what? It, so it's, I'm excited to watch that because it's almost like a re-debut. Of course. But I mean, I, I I sat I sat there, 
and I watched that. I mean, I had, I had, I had the wife and the kids sitting here, and I was like, Shh. nobody talks. Nobody, nobody says anything. Nobody talks. I want to hear your opinion. I don't want. <laughs> I want to listen to him and him only. Exactly. And you know, it's like the crowd was huge, but the minute he started talking. It was completely silent for twenty minutes because everybody wanted to hear everything that he had to say. Exactly. And, you know, that's you know that's let me say. If you want to know why we love professional wrestling, watch something like that. Exactly. So my number three, I was kind of on the fence with where to place this one, but my number three was Goldberg's debut in WWE, where he spears the Rock in half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Goldberg is one of those characters or one of those guys that is going to beat you down ground He's a very belie- he's, a, he's very a very believable bruiser. Exactly. He's one of the most believable bruisers and one of the most believable I'd say heavyweights. Oh yeah. that has come through WWE. So his pop whenever his music hits and the whole crowd chanting Goldberg as he's making his way it was just one of those where it was like so exciting to see him make that jump from WCW mm-hmm. into WWE or WWF. Oh, no, it was WWE at the time, I believe. It was uh, when Goldberg came in. It was WWE because that was yeah. 2002, right? They'd already done. Yeah, the, it was like early the 2000s. Out campaign, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, they were WWE at that point. Yeah, no, it's great. I've never been a really big Goldberg fan. Just so you know, but no, that was a cool debut, and I mean. The Rock sold. That's the, it. Yeah, he, he made, sold the spear. He sold that spear better than anybody could have. I mean, almost as well as he sold a stunner. Exactly. <laughs> I love whenever he gets, like gets hit with a stunner. He he has the best stunner sell. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, him or Scott Hall. Scott Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Which time? The first time or the second the time? The second. Took yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're. They, yeah. No. They're. The, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, do yourself a favor. Look. Go it up back on and YouTube. watch WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 18? 18. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that was hilarious. All right, number two. We're getting close to it, guys. So here's my problem. So I've got them, and I'm going to give them. But I honestly, I literally had to flip a coin because I, I could not decide between two and one Ooh. for this. Okay. Uh, so I'm, you know, understand that I'm saying this, but I'm saying this with, a, with almost an asterisk. Okay. But I'm so for number two, I'm gonna say the debut of Kane at Bad Blood. Okay. Uh, Would it help you to? Do, I'm already gonna say it. That was my number two as well. Okay. All we right. both so, had the same all number right, two. So that's interesting. I'm telling you, I feel like we're gonna have the same number, number one. one. I think we have the same. I think, and, there, and there's a reason for that. At the yeah. end of the day, when you look at, so we'll we'll bury the lead here. Yeah. But yeah, number. Uh, I mean, it's really hard not to give this the number one. Of course. Just in the sense of. The story. Exactly. That's what that's why I was I had the same dilemma as well because the story buildup is perfect into this going into bad blood. Paul Bearer Paul Bearer leaves to the Undertaker Kane. after years and years of being yeah. the Undertaker's, you know, side and, and being there and he goes with mankind like, Why is Paul Bearer turning his back on on the Undertaker? And right. then he comes out and he says, I have a secret and you're going to do what I tell you to do, or I'm going to tell everybody the secret. And it's like Paul Bearer has control over the Undertaker. And you're like what we all want to know what the secret is? I mean, I mean yeah, like I was going to say, this this had me captive at what almost uh, ten years old, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, almost ten years old. I'm like, what did he do that's so bad that that you know that Paul Bear's got control over him? Yeah, and then you know the story starts to unravel 
But this is the beauty of it, and this is my personal opinion, is that Paul Bear comes out and talks about Cain and unravels the story of Cain, but then the story almost dies down. Yeah. Like the story, like you go from the Paul Bear and Undertaker issues and the Cain secret coming out. And then you have the chair shot heard around the world where Sean meant to hit Brett, but hits Taker instead. Yeah. And it starts the feud between Sean and, and Taker. Yep. Yeah. And you forget, like I forgot, like I, I didn't forget, but I, I wasn't thinking about it. Right. So I wasn't expecting it. But that debut. And then you have was you have the like in my opinion the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. Easily. Uh, the well, first one. For, uh, listen, spot, the spot. The second one is a spot fest that can be not never compared again. You know, it's probably pop culture's favorite professional wrestling match. Right. But to me, as far as Hell in a Cell matches go, uh, that's actually number three for me. Number one is Sean and Undertaker. Number two is Cactus Jack and Triple H. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a good one. For the career versus title. Uh, and then number three is actually the uh, King of the Ring, Mankind, Undertaker. Because in the sense of an actual wrestling match, there's, yeah, there wasn't much there's not a lot of wrestling. Yeah. It's spot, schmoz, spot, schmoz, spot, finish. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the... And you know the music becomes more epic over time. Yes, it does. But but that moment where it's like, and I'm a Sean guy, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, no, like Sean's gonna lose. Like yeah. I didn't really have a whole lot of hope for him, but of course I'm at that moment. I'm like, no. It's like he's about to go for and two, then and then the black everything light goes hits. black. And then you hear then, this organ, <laughs> and then fire shoots up, and then Kane makes his appearance then, with Paul Bearer, literally. Rips the door Vince McMahon, off the hinges. You know, I'm not. I'm not really like you know. I love Jr. I love Jerry Lawler. I love Paul Heyman. I love Joey Styles. Vince McMahon is very low on my list of announcers. Yeah. But the that's gotta be Kane. It's, it's that's iconic. gotta be Kane. It's iconic. I mean, it's iconic. I mean, it's almost as iconic as by God, he's broken in half. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like my God is my witness. Man, Mick Foley is broken in half. Yes. Like, like that. It's one of those level. So, yeah, he comes out, he rips the door open on the cage. And, you know, the look that he gives The Undertaker. It's... I mean, it... It gives you chills just thinking about it. I mean, I was like, I was legit, like, Kane legitimately gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yes. For, like, the next cut, like, for the whole build-up to WrestleMania 14. Like, you talk about a debut that got a guy over and... And then this just the story. Yeah. And we've talked about it. Probably the greatest overall arching story in all of professional wrestling. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, it's really hard to give this one a number two. Yeah. But. I think we're about to have the same number one. I think we're about to have the same number one as well. I I think we should say it at the the same time, like who it is, right? Should we count down? Yeah, from three, two, one, right? Three, Three, two, two, one. one. Chris Jericho. There we go. I knew it. I knew it'd be the same one. I mean, the Millennium Countdown. It was, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I remember watching the the countdown and I I did the math and I, and I was like, that's, that's not a countdown to why, to the Millennium. It, it's, it doesn't end right. Right. Like, and so you're watching it, but like every, every Monday, um, it would come on and like in some random 
part of the, an episode, there was the countdown. Yeah. And it's like, countdown to what? Exactly. It's what What's coming? And then finally, rocks on the ring. You see the countdown pop up again. It goes down three, two, one. The pyro hits. And then all of a sudden you hear, break the walls down. down. And then Jericho pops up. Uh, yeah, Jericho. That's, Just, that's all you need to see. And then the crowd goes absolutely nuts. Yep. And he grabs the mic and goes, welcome to Raw is... Jericho. Jericho, the Ayatollah of rock and roll. I mean, I mean that, and that you was can't beat that. That was such a coup too at the time, and he had the Monday Night Wars. Like Chris Jericho was probably one of the most entertaining things WCW had, and then he comes over to WWF, and they literally put him night one in a verbal sparring match with one of the greatest talkers of all time. Exactly. Uh and he holds his own. Yes. I mean, the, just like the... Like, if the, there was anybody at that time that could go toe-to-toe with The Rock on the mic, it was Chris Jericho. Oh, absolutely. But, like, I mean, to have that much faith in his in his speaking ability, to put him with The Rock and, and be like, yeah, this is going to be your debut. Sink or swim here. Exactly. And he swam. Good luck. Oh, yeah, he oh, swam big time. I mean, time. yeah. Great, yeah. Great, he, I, I he Michael Phelps that bad boy. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Um... And I mean the, the yeah the back and forth that him and the Rock had absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, the just to say when we talk about the debut, it's the the packaging of it. You know the yes. time spent building that, and then the the entrance, uh, just you know and how, and what he would do with that entrance, you know for years and years and years and how it would evolve. I mean, but like still keep a you know. A connection to the original debut. Yes, um, and that's, that's, that's I think that's kind of what what makes it the best one of all time. Yes, is that like not only was it his debut, but there are aspects of that debut that that as his character evolved, as his entrance evolved, there was still a, a maintenance of that original debut. That yeah, say like every time you would hear his his stuff. You can you can just remember that night, right? But yeah, absolutely fantastic debut. That's funny. Yeah. I I knew it was gonna happen because I mean I figured we'd have the I figured we'd have a similar top three. I didn't know that we would have. I, I honestly am very surprised that we had the same two and one. I know, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I literally I I kept I I could not. I literally had to to flip a coin. Because I could not, like, in my heart of hearts, pick between two and one. Yeah, that's but, what, that's what was hard. Like the top three for me was where it got. Okay, oh yeah, this is getting a little hard. But yeah, you guys, let us know what your top ten is in, uh, on Facebook, Instagram. Let us know. It did may be we, the same. Did we, did, did we get them all? Did we did we miss a huge one? Exactly. I'm sure there's some, plenty that we've missed, but let us know. Keep us up on social media, guys. All right, let's get into some reviews now. Let's do some reviews. So, I don't want to kind of get into it a whole lot because for me, this week is just kind it's of... It's a ho-hum week. This, yeah. was a, uh, this was an afterburn, after the pay-per-views. Right. So, with my reviews, like, everything was three stars for me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, did, um, I would say both Raw and Dynamite were two and a half, three stars. I mean, if we're not using half marks, then I'll give three. Right. But if I can use a half, I'd, I'd say two and a half. I, I, we'll probably use like half marks at some point. But like, yeah, I mean, on SmackDown, I'd, I'd give like a 3.5. Um, if I can't give a half mark, then I'd say four. Yeah. But only on the strength of the last um, 20 minutes. Exactly. See, that's where I gave it five stars, like looking at all the matches and everything. The, the Thousand Days celebration with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, 
segment was easily a five star segment beyond a shadow of a doubt. But if it weren't for everything else, it, this would have definitely been at least four stars. But now I will say, and this may surprise you, Rampage for me almost got a four stars. Reason being is because of the different title matches that happened, and because there was a such a great variety in those yeah. matches. Because opening up, you had pretty much triple A in the first opening match. You had Drillistico and Commander and El Hijo uh, Del Vikingo showing off Lucha Libre. Yeah, anything on that's got El Hijo Del Vikingo, I'm I'm all in right now. Oh, that yeah. guy, that guy can't have a bad match right now. No, he can't. And Commander's always fun to watch because you never yeah. know what he's going to do whenever he. I always get scared every time that he walks the or runs the ropes, I yeah. should say. But he's always fun to watch. And then, of course, you got your heel luchador with Drillistico. But yeah, that that was a great match. And then, of course, you have Action Andretti and uh, Zack Saber Jr. That was like Zack Saber Jr. is I would say I, would I argue love today, Zack Saber Jr. I is, hate that I have to stay up till like eleven o'clock to watch. Zach I know, Saber right? Jr. Like I think he is today. Probably one of, I'd say, the top three best technical wrestlers. Oh, his, te- the, his technical wrestling is... Uh, I'd say it's better than Brian Danielson's. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, his technical wrestling reminds me of, like, you know, Brian Danielson in the early years of WWE, but, like, the Ring of Honor, like, the Ameri- like the original American Dragon. Not exactly. The, not the American Dragon light that we have now. Not, right. to, not to really kick on Brian. I mean, he's year, years older and... We know, you know, the fact that he's even wrestling today as a whole, we're all right. thankful for. But, like, yeah, no, Zack Sabre Jr. is is definitely a callback to um, some earlier days, American Dragon. Yeah, and then the women's championship match with uh, Amy Sakura and Willow Nightingale, I mean, it was decent for what it was. I mean, I understand oh. that I mean, Willow Nightingale is entertaining. And then you have Amy Sakura, who's like a legend in Japan. Well, yeah, Sakura and Nightingale. I almost feel like you know you had a really great opportunity to have a a really hard hitting match. Yes, um, you know, and kind of give Nightingale's character like she's a smiley, happy, you know, real positive, bubbly character. It would have been great for her to be able to have a match like a true strong style match. Yeah, and kind of like show the you know. The edge to the character it was. I'm nit. once again nit, nitpicking about a late night match. Right, exactly. Um, and I, then there are better opportunities to have that match on a, on a bigger show. I mean, it's interesting what they're doing with Rampage. Like that, this was a heck of a card. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, honestly, this is probably the best Rampage I've seen since they debuted the show. I mean, since the CM Punk episode, right? Yeah, the yeah. Day, which is the debut. Um, yeah, I can't honestly think back to any other Rampage that that had this good of a card. And yeah, I, I don't appreciate them having that good of a card on Rampage, right? Because it doesn't start till ten o'clock at night. Exactly. <laughs> but then the only thing that kept this from being four star for me was the last match with Lee Moriarty and uh, Katsuyori Shibata, uh-huh. because I wanted so much more from action from this match. But I, it was pressed for time. It was like getting close towards the Lee end. Lee Moriarty, they're, they're trying so hard to push him, but he's just not. I don't know what it is that it's not connecting, but he it's just. See, that's what I was. I was looking for more because this would have been a great opportunity for them to showcase him. Yeah, in this I'm, match with someone like Shibata, and I just I wanted more from this match. But honestly, I would love to see them have the pure championship on display on TV a lot because I don't know what it is, but I love watching this title being defended because mm-hmm. this is just the rules. Pure, the, yeah. yeah, the rules enforce like pure wrestling. Yeah, like, it's focused if you on want that. chain wrestling. The pure. Mm-hmm. 
pure match is going to give you what you want. Exactly. That's why I love watching it is because it's strictly wrestling. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I, I loved it when they introduced it quite a long time ago. Right. <laughs> I'm glad that it's never gone away. Yes. Uh, you know, so it's... The, this dude, the build for Forbidden Door, I mean, they're just now getting started. And then that's where I feel like everything's going because Dynamite was just kind of... I don't have eh. any wood to knock on right now where we're at, but knock on wood that this year is not going to be as snake-bitten as last year. I hope not. Because the two matches that they've announced so far for Forbidden Door... Oh. I, I may have missed it, but I'm sure that one of them is uh, Shibata versus uh, Daniel Garcia for the... Or no, uh, well... Are they going to defend the Pure Championship at Forbidden Door? Because I feel because honestly, that would be a great match to see again. Because I'd love to see Shibata and Daniel Garcia like so actually. Are you are you ready for? So you you don't know. I have no idea. Okay, so, so for anybody my... for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, I'm a dirt sheet fanatic. As much crap as I give them, uh, it's kind of like uh, you hate the drugs, but you're addicted to them. Right. Dirt sheets are my drugs. So <laughs> uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. For the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Are you serious? That's announced. It's official. Oh, so he's not going to do anything with uh, Takeshita. That we know of. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Yeah. And Brian Danielson versus the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That is going to be good. Yeah. I mean, honestly... Um, I mean those two matches alone. I've already, I've already pre already pre paying the pay per view for that. Um, you know, last year there were so many opportunities, but there were so many injuries. Forbidden Door was really kind of a joke, just just being dead honest. But this year, if, if like I said, if everybody can stay healthy, I, I think they're gonna. I think Forbidden Door is gonna be. Not like it's hard, but Forbidden Door is going to be way better than Double or Nothing. Yes, there's no question about that. There's actually something that I saw, because uh, I'm in a uh, group with a lot of people that are uh, wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things they shared with me is like pop matches they'd love to see mm-hmm. on the card. One of them that they posted on here, let's see if I can find it real quick, was, uh, let's see, where, well, where did it go? Because we saw Okada and uh, Dan- Brian Danielson, and that's where I saw that. It was uh, Omega and Osprey. Another one was CM Punk versus Kenta. That'd be a fantastic because match. Because you've got both of them with their That'd finishers the being sleep. the GTS. Yeah, so the one of them will sleep. be going to sleep. The ba- the battle of the of the go to sleep. Yeah, Exactly. Um, that would be a fantastic match. Um, Kenta's healthy. Yeah, uh, I mean it'd be perfect. It's, it's a, I mean he's yeah, that's absolutely a possible match. Um, collision debuts not this weekend, but next Saturday. Yes. So the Punk will be back on fully before. I, I can't imagine them not trying to have him in a a Forbidden Door match with. I mean honestly, yeah, I think Kenta is probably the only person that that CM Punk should fight. Yes. The question just is. Will he? Will they play nice? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> that, that'd be a good... But honestly, it would build more to it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, Punk's professional. And at the end of the day, people can always ask these questions of... I don't know why people ask the question, though, of will Punk play ball. He's always played ball, and he's never been unprofessional, even when he might actually hate the person he's wrestling. Right. 
I would say that he 100% hated Paul Levesque when he wrestled Paul Levesque. Absolutely. I think that he probably at one point hated John Cena, but has gone back and in his wrestling and his feuds with Cena has gone back and gave Cena his flowers and talked about how giving Cena was and how professional he was. Right. Um, he did not like Adam Page when he wrestled Adam Page, but he did not go into business for himself in the match. So, I mean, I don't really, I don't really suspect that Punk will, Punk will absolutely go into business for himself on the mic. But as far as wrestling goes, he's one hundred percent professional. Exactly. Uh, another and I think one. It's the same for Kenta. Yeah. Another one that I thought would be pretty interesting. Instead of having uh, Daniel Garcia against Shibata, they had put on here possibly Malachi Black. Against Shibata. I think Malachi Black versus anybody uh, is a phenomenal match. I mean, you, you've got a guy who is, you know, with with the, with the Muay Thai and the kickboxing style of what he does, you know, that against a strong style Japanese wrestler. But now, I would replace Shibata out of that one and put Kota Ibushi in place of that. I'd put Kota Ibushi in place of everybody because at, yeah. at, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, let's say Kenta... Okada and Ibushi are the three that I want to see. Absolutely. Um, everybody else, it's I, I've either seen them in some way, shape, or form. You know, with last year's Forbidden Door, but to my recollection, we didn't get Okada last year. No, we, we didn't. did not get Ibushi, uh, and we didn't get Kenta. Right. So that's who I want to see. Yes. Uh, and I would love to see whether it be Malachi Black or Claudio Castagnoli. Um, you know, not really, not really care too much about John Moxley. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm you know, kind of comes over to, John Moxley at this point. Well, I, I love John. I love his. One thing I'm know, I love his brutal his style of professional wrestling. But in a strong style Japanese match, we saw the stuff with Forbidden Door last year. It's he's okay. He, yeah. Um, someone like Castanoli. Who can who can wrestle you know European strong style against a Japanese strong style? You've got a hard hitting match. You've got a match out. that makes you cringe every four seconds. Absolutely. So I uh, almost said another thing. I'm tired of with Moxley is his stupid entrance song. <laughs> I, and I want to give a shout out to Bill Weaver because he sent me a message because I think he listened to the last episode wherever yep. I was like, "We love you, Bill. Thanks yeah, for listening." Yeah, thank you for listening, Bill. He sent me a message. On there, because I had talked in the previous episode how thankful I was to the Young Bucks yep. for them super kicking the lead singer of the band. I was like, I've heard this song to death. Someone please take their instruments, destroy them, super kick them, whatever. Yep. And of course, as soon as Bill hears the last episode, he sends me about three uh, <laughs> gifs of the someone singing Wild Thing. I just over and over, and again. over and over and over again. I'm just like, really? Well, I need the really? GIF of Major League, you know, where uh, where Rick Vaughn comes out, yeah, and you know, the, the league's like, crank it, Jerry, and they go, <laughs> <laughs> it's wild thing. Oh my gosh, I could live the rest of my life without ever hearing that song again. True, I'm, yeah, true. I'm gonna send story. a message to Tony Khan, be like, dude, can you can you change his music? That Moxley never got that song. I again. bet you he likes another song. Go buy him a new one. Yeah, for real. I mean, you got the money for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love John. I think uh, we need yeah the we we need a little evolution of, of that character. Right. Um, but no, like forbidden. I say forbidden doors already shaping up to be a fantastic event. But going back to WWE, um, yeah, we like I said Monday night. You know we we got um, we got a little we got the you know 
Money in the Bank ladder match qualifying. Right. We've got Ricochet has qualified for the match. So I'm so I'm glad. Super that excited he did that. for that. It's almost funny for uh, until LA Knight got in, uh, the the Money in the Bank match was looking a lot like the uh, NXT North American Championship yeah, ladder match. Exactly. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And then adding LA Knight on SmackDown does not take away from that at all. It's no, going to it be does fantastic. Not. Um, Anyone, and, any one of these guys, I think, would benefit greatly. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm super stoked with what who I'm seeing them put into the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Monday night was... It was just like a, you know, like I say, it was a hangover from uh, Night of Champions and then SmackDown, ho-hum until that last 15, 20 minutes. Exactly. Uh, absolutely phenomenally produced. So well put on by everybody there. I mean, Roman really, I mean, got to give the guy the credit, credit credit's due. He, absolutely. He knows how to suck the crowd in. Exactly. Uh, he know His timing is very, very crisp. On when to do things yeah. and and, what I mean, level and this to is do the things. best storyline that we've seen in professional wrestling <laughs> for a while. And I actually uh, I don't know if you ever got it, but I shared something with you about MJF during the uh, media scrum after Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. where someone had asked him a question. I don't remember what the question was, but he was talking about like we live in a world today where people want instant gratification. Yep, like, if yep, you want yep, something delivered, you get it right now. And you look at it, and yeah. You look at it like he's Both a big fan promotions. of professional wrestling to where. You build up these characters, you build up storylines, and it, but you just keep building and building and building upon it to where it's like Bruno San Martino held a world championship for close to ten years. Exactly. Uh, you know, Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. You know, all, all those guys. guys held the held the title for years and years and years. So yeah. when they lost it, it it was a big deal. Yeah, and it's going to be a big deal because I mean, this is the first time that someone's held a championship for over. A thousand days. I mean, like the last the last person that's like really kind of like held a championship hostage in the modern era, you could say would be like Triple H. But right. even Triple H, he would he would lose it, get it back, lose it, get it back. You know, Flair did the same thing, even of losing it, getting it back. Like you know, if you want to look at Triple H's tenure as the World Heavyweight Champion, I'm sure it's way longer than a thousand days, right? But not consecutive, right? And like same thing with Flair and the NWA. Flair in the NWA, you know, 16-time world champion, but that means he lost it 15 times too. Right. Uh, you know, you guys got you know, your Bruno San Martinos, your Rob Backlunds, you know, Hulk Hogan held it for a very long time, and then, you know, in, between WCW and then, you know, modern era, WWF, WWE, he, the title went back and forth a little bit. But, I mean, for the first couple of years of WrestleManias, Hogan defended that title in, in complete sequence. Like right. he was never he never lost it to anybody. And if he did lose it, it was like it, it didn't count. Exactly. Uh, so I mean what what they're doing with Roman, I mean it's fantastic and it's interesting that they're doing a similar thing on AEW. Right. You know, it makes the tie it, it does if if the champion is doing it right, and both champions are in my yeah. opinion, it makes the title that much more important. Exactly. Now I say that, I have got to say this. All right. So we we debuted a new title okay. on SmackDown. We debuted a new title for Raw a couple weeks ago. Why did they have to be so stupid looking? I will say of the two, the new Universal title looks the better it's between the, the two. It, but it's the same thing. 
Well, it's the it, literally it's the same. They they put a yellow background on it this time. Right. Before it had a blue background, and before that it had a red background, and before that it had a black background, and before that it also had a black background. It's we we've seen the same title now as far as that big stupid W title is. Right. We've seen the same title now for s- over six years. Roughly. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. I, I hated it since the day that they debuted it with The Rock. Uh, I hate it now. I hated that they put a W on the on a miniature version of the big gold belt. Like, I, I hate the obtrusive branding of a championship. Like, it makes it look like a child's toy. Okay. I mean, of, like I said, of the two, the new Universal title looks the better of the two. But, I mean, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. It's pretty much the same thing, just a different background. But yeah. maybe we'll see. It's the difference between an anime and a colonic. <laughs> okay? <laughs> well, guys, I hate that we have to end it on that. But, I mean, that's all the time we've got for now. I timed that one perfectly. Yeah, you timed that one perfectly. So, we're going to have to work on that for the next time. <laughs> But thank you guys so much for listening. Like we said before, we are on social media, Five Star Jobbers on Instagram and Facebook. Comment your favorite top 10 debuts. Let us know what you think. If you have something different from ours, share with it. Let us share it with us. Let us know what you've got. We have future guests lined up as well, so stay tuned for that. But a lot's coming up. Keep listening and keep it five stars. <laughs>